This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Guys, we made it to December. We are going to wrap up this month our study of Gideon. And uh, we have, for three chapters, Judges you know, 6, 7, 8, and then bleeding over a little bit into 9 for the after story. Uh, not a whole lot of, I mean, it's, it's not a ton of scripture there, but we have looked at that thing from a lot of different angles, a lot of different facets of it, and, and uh, milked a lot, of, uh, a lot of wisdom out of it. I wouldn't say we've, we've, we've exhausted it. Uh, you know, my experience with scripture tells me every time you go back, you, you pick up a little bit extra. Uh, but it has been a, has been a, a, a cool uh, study. Um, you'll recall back in the first quarter, we talked about identity. And when Gideon was hunkered down in the wine press, trying to thresh wheat in a place where you, it would not be possible to actually effectively thresh wheat, the angel of the Lord called out to him and said, Greetings, mighty warrior. And Gideon was looking around like, what? Who, who, who are you talking to? Gideon had to be convinced that he was a mighty warrior. Not because of anything that he had done or anything that he was currently engaged in, but because that's who God saw him as. And so that first quarter was all about identity. Who is God? Who am I in God? Okay. Uh, second quarter, we talked about the invitation. When, when Gideon began to understand and believe in his own identity in God, God invited him into something. <clears throat> and when you read the, the story of Gideon, you think that what he was getting invited into was to go whoop up on the Midianites. And... That was, in the big scheme of things, that was kind of the tip of the iceberg. Because what God was inviting Gideon into in reality was turn your heart and the hearts of your people, the hearts of my people, back to me. And we're going to start with this Midianite thing, because I know these guys have been whooping up on you. Uh, we're going we're gonna to turn the tables on that. But the bottom line is God was a lot less concerned about the Midianites because he could have wiped the Midianites out any time he wanted to. He was a lot less concerned about the Midianites than he was about the hearts of his people. And so the third quarter was about a lifestyle. If Gideon understands who he is and he understands what God is calling him into, and he understands that God's going to, going to equip him to do whatever he is calling him into, then what's Gideon's response going to be? What does his lifestyle need to look like? And, and what, we, what we learned in, in quarter three was uh, when we worship, God fights, and when God fights, we win. And uh, we looked at the story of Gideon and how that played out in his life. And we, we looked at a couple of other stories because that's not an isolated theme in Scripture. Uh, we looked at the story of Moses. We looked at the story of Jehoshaphat uh, and a couple of other. I mean, 
it, it happens over and over again. We are not adequate to win most of the battles that we need to win to be successful in life. But we serve a God who is. So when we worship, God fights. When God fights, we win. And if the story of Gideon had stopped there, okay, where he, obeyed, he believes God, he obeys God, he, uh, he goes with the army that God has chosen, they fight the Midianites, they come home, um, they throw away all their idols and they worship God and live happily ever after. That, you know, if, if this was a Hollywood script, that's where the story would have ended. But it didn't quite end there because if nothing else, Scripture is very, very honest. <laughs> and the heroes that we see in Scripture are shown to us warts and all. And what we've discovered when we started looking at the remainder of the life of Gideon was yes the land had peace for 40 years but Gideon had some appetites that took him off course and took the Israelites off course uh, and those tainted his legacy the story that would have been you know, the Cinderella story, the, the nobody from nowhere uh, steps up to the plate, hears the call of God, steps up to the plate and wins the day, and uh, everything is, is hunky-dory. Uh, that would have been a, a nice story, but that, that's not what Gideon's, that wasn't the sum total of Gideon's legacy. He had an appetite for women and sex. He had an appetite for money. He had an appetite for power. He had an appetite for recognition and prestige and the praise of men. And those things took him down a path that resulted in uh, 70 sons, 69 of them getting murdered by the son of his mistress, who was about 30 miles up the road, who after Gideon was gone decided he deserved to be king and he came back to Gideon's hometown. And, and it's telling that the people that lived there in Gideon's hometown didn't take up for those boys. Apparently, they had ruled over that region uh, in a heavy-handed enough way that didn't really bother those folks if, stepbrother and his band of thugs came in and wiped those guys out. <laughs> and Gideon was, was barely cold in his grave before Israel was full on back into idol worship. So the legacy of Gideon was not what it could have been, not what it should have been. And so we went into fourth quarter talking about legacy. And uh, using that example of Gideon as kind of a, 
uh, a barometer. We said, you know, well, what got Gideon into trouble? Well, it was, it was some really, really bad appetites that he fed. And they just went to seed, and, and the result was this mess uh, that ended up way off course from what God had originally invited him to and called him into. And it, it all kind of resulted from Gideon's pride and his, his need for, he kind of forgot who God was, forgot what God had done, wanted to take credit for himself, and went down a path that, that uh, was ruinous for his family and for his people. Um, so in October, we took a look at our own appetites. Uh, and said, okay, what, based on my behaviors, based on my habits, what does that say about my appetites? What am I chasing after? What's my heart's desire? And we talked about shifting um, from some negative appetites, some bad appetites, to some better appetites. Hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Being hungry for the, for, for the Lord. Uh, being a man after God's own heart. Those types of ideas. In November, we talked about some habits that not only are the result of some better appetites, but also feed back into and even strengthen those appetites. And we talked about you know internalizing the Word of God, being in conversation with God, coming alongside uh, other men, and putting some structure in place to, to help keep us between the ditches, right? And what I wanted to spend some time today on is what is the result of that, okay? Because the appetites are going to drive, drive and be fed by the habits. The habits are going to be what people observe, and, and, and that becomes our story. And the story is what people remember, which becomes our legacy, Okay, and I firmly believe that if I engage in habits of internalizing the Word of God, if I engage in habit of uh, being in ongoing conversation with God, if I have brothers coming alongside of me sailing a convoy that are encouraging me in that and, uh, and challenging me toward Christ-likeness, I think it's going to make a difference. I think some qualities are going to start demonstrating in my life that are going to be a little bit different from the world around me. And, and this is not an exhaustive list, but three that, that bubbled up for me uh, are integrity and humility and gratitude. I'll talk a little bit about that, but I think if, if those three keys start to become evident out of those habits, um, people are going to notice. And I'm going to have opportunities then to bring somebody along with me, to reach back to the generation behind me, uh, be that my children, be that co-workers, be that uh, 
kids that I'm teaching in a Sunday school class, be that players on a team that I coach, whatever it may be, right? I'm going to have chances to influence uh, based on those three qualities of integrity and humility and gratitude because it's going to be a noticeable difference from the world around me. And so um, those are the three keys, and the challenge coming out of it uh, is to not to freak out or stress out because, oh, my gosh, I need to, I need to find somebody to mentor. But like I tell you guys frequently, heads up, eyes open, it's spirit work, okay? The spirit is going to have you crossing paths with people that can mentor you and people that you can mentor. And so keep your heads up, eyes open for those divine appointments and look for those opportunities to develop Paul-Timothy-type relationships. Okay, in, in First and Second Timothy, over and over again, Paul calls Timothy my son, my true son, my blessed son, my son in the faith. Um, and, and Paul and Timothy had this relationship where um, Paul was like a father to him. And... and uh, guided him, gave him advice, um, set expectations for him. Uh, and uh, and I, I believe that we can and should have those types of relationships in our life, both be looking forward to a, uh, or, or looking, looking for our Paul, guys who can, who can come alongside us and encourage us and strengthen us, and guys come along behind the Timothys that we can bring along. Uh, and and uh, this month in some of the, the follow-up discussions, you'll, you'll uh, have a chance to kind of think through that and pray through that just a little bit and see where the Spirit might be leading you in that regard. Uh, but those three keys. Um, integrity. Integrity to me says, uh, says I'm honest says I'm consistent, says I have a, some sense of, of fairness, um, says that I have a, a love of the truth. Um, humility, uh, to me, humility is kind of like being confident and comfortable in my relationship with God to the point that... Um, I don't have to impress you. God's impressed with me. He, he died for me. And that's enough. I recognize that I'm a child of God. I recognize that both of us are image bearers of our creator. So there's not anything in my circumstances that makes me any better or any worse than anybody else. Um, and then the gratitude piece of it, it's uh, when you think about what God has done and you think about what it cost him and then you, you go back to that, the race from the video and you go, 
man, I have been so richly blessed with tons and tons and tons of things that I, I would not have any would not have had any right to ask for or expect, and yet God just opened the floodgates and poured it out on me. How can I not? Yeah, there's some stuff that's jacked up. Yeah, we live in a fallen world. But you look at the balance of the thing, and, and, and God is in the process of redeeming it. And I've got a choice between complaining or thanking him. And what, what, what's going to make me more joyful? What's going to enrich my life more? Um, I want to spend a couple of minutes talking about my dad. Uh, he was a guy that, that exemplified uh, some of these keys, some of these characteristics. Um, integrity. My dad was the kind of guy who um, would get home from the store, figure out that the cashier gave him uh, a quarter too much and change and drive back across town to give that quarter back. And you may think that's silly, but it was important to him that he not take anything that wasn't his. Um, he, uh, he was the same person at home and at church, <clears throat> and although I didn't go to work with him, from what I heard, it worked. Uh, he's 78 now. Uh, he retired about, uh, oh, 20, I don't know, probably 20 years ago. <clears throat> and uh, went to his retirement party, and, and all the folks there were, were telling these stories about him, about uh, when Billy did this. My dad's name is Billy Thompson. And that's it, not William, not Bill, Billy. That's what his, his mom wanted to call him Billy. That's what she did. Um, but uh, one, one of the stories they told, uh, he worked for the city of Mesquite, Texas. Um, he was a civil engineer. He got his civil engineering degree from Texas A&M. Uh, and uh, did things like planned out the infrastructure, uh, figured out, you know, where the high traffic areas were going to be in the next five years and make sure that we had streets and that were wide enough and traffic signals in the right place and sewer lines where they needed to be, all that stuff, kind of, kind of forward thinking but planning out stuff like that. Um, so had a, had a staff, by the time he retired, he had a staff that worked uh, with him. Um, and it, the group of people that worked with him and worked for him um, loved working. They loved him. They would do... Their goal was um, we can't disappoint Billy. Billy, Billy loves us. Uh, he'll take care of us. And we, we... I would not want to do anything that would embarrass or disappoint Billy. Um... When he got new guys on staff, 
uh, he, he called them in early on in their tenure. And this is one of the stories the guys told. They, they, one of them poked the other and said, uh, tell them the ankle story. And the ankle story was, whenever new guys would come on staff, my dad would instruct them on how they were to treat women in the office, in the workplace. He said, if you're talking to them, you look them in the eye. If you're not talking to them, you look at the ankles. I don't want to hear you talking about any body parts on any ladies. You keep it professional. You treat them with respect. You treat them with dignity. And that, and, and Billy was the same. You know, I mean, Billy was the same at home and at church and at work. He was constant. He was consistent. Um, humble. It, I did not know... Uh, my dad grew up at a, at a, in a small town in South Central Texas. Graduating class was was uh, about a hundred or so, if that. Uh, I did not know until uh, years and years later he'd been valedictorian of his class and he'd been president, class president. Um, he'd had numerous. Uh, because he worked for the city, he was involved with a lot of civic-type organizations. In almost every one of those, he was asked to serve as, you know, the board member or the the president of it or the whatever. Um, I didn't know that. Over the course of his career, he had uh, he had accumulated multiple awards and certificates and recognitions and what but we never knew any of that to us he was just dad daddy a very humble guy but he treated everybody the same money title power any of that stuff uh he wasn't impressed with um he treated the CEO of the company the exact same way as he treated the, the graveyard shift custodian of the company. And he treated both guys with dignity and with respect um, as people, as equals in the eyes of God. And that's not to say he was naive or he was stupid. I mean, if, if he discovered that, that somebody was not trustworthy... He didn't write them off, but he would proceed with caution. You know, you learn not to depend on people that aren't trustworthy. Um, and he would, the people that, that worked with him, worked around him, he would hold them accountable uh, for their assignments and whatnot. But no, who was in the Bible? Was it, uh, was it Nicodemus that was said there, there was no guile found in him? And that, that, was, that was Billy Thompson. Um. But yeah, I never heard my dad curse. I'll take it back. The, the, he had one, and it's not, a, it's not like a, on the pantheon of curse words, it's not the, it's on the pretty mild end. Uh, but uh, I, 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 if the situation warranted it, and it didn't 
warrant it often. But he was not above calling something BS. <laughs> if he felt that something was, in fact, BS. But that is the only thing that I ever heard come out of his mouth. And I'm not saying... Uh, I'm not saying he never cursed. I'm saying I never heard him curse. And I'm 55. Never took the Lord's name in vain that I heard. Um, and, and as far as crude language, that's, that's the only, only thing that I ever heard him say. That was, but that was, that was Billy. That's been Billy. Um, and still is to this day. He said he's 78. Um, his chief hobby these days is looking after my mama, who is not in the best of health. Um, so, uh, why, why do I tell you all that? Um, the reason I tell you all that is uh, we're going to have a legacy, guys, but, but we can choose what kind of legacy that is. Um, Tell you what, I'm going to give you a question. I'm going to actually let you out at a decent time this time. Um, it'll be before 7.15 before you guys get into your foxhole time this morning. So I'm getting better. You know, if I did this all the time, I might actually get good at it. Um, my question for the foxhole time, though, this morning is going to be uh, which person in your life had the biggest influence on making you the man you are today? And what did you learn from them that shapes your ideas about the legacy that you want to leave? And it might be the person that influenced your life the most might not have been that good of an influence. So the thing that you took away from that is, I'm not going to make that same mistake. Maybe you're going to be in the, in the pattern of Marvin where you're changing the script and changing the narrative for your family or maybe you were handed down something that was really really awesome and you want to make sure that doesn't die with your generation you want to make sure that that gets passed on um, we've got a video it's about three minutes that we're going to close out with and then you can uh, uh, get together with your your foxholes on that this is about a kid that has a, a viewfinder, a viewmaster, that, uh, and what he's recording on it is, uh, is some images from his childhood that he, he's going to hang on to.
God bless you guys.